Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. That's right. Thank you to Yarra Bug for a great show ending with a little mini marathon on David Bowie. I'm Sam. I'm a slight snuffleupagus this morning. I'm in the studio with Colin. Hey, Colin. Hello, Sam. How are you doing? Good, kind of. <laughs> Excuse me if I sound like I've got a peg on my nose. My children have passed their colds along to me. But uh, that aside, doing well. Got a big show today. Yes, a lot of line. Mm. So we're going to be talking shortly to Friends of the Earth's own Phil Evans. Uh, Phil is also part of Frontline Action on Coal and has been heavily engaged for quite a few years now in uh, the Leard blockade up where Whitehaven is trying to destroy the last of a very unique uh, forest. You yourself went up there, was it last year? Yes, I had the chance to, to be there during the, after Hacked Up Sweets called, that was Bat Attack. Mm-hmm. And so we are tr- really trying to stop a white heaven to to destroy a lot of the forest, mm. and so holding direct action and roads and in the forest to to stop the bulldozers and also creating awareness in the community mm-hmm. and working with uh, the Gomorrah elders to trying to protect the site. Yeah, that's right. And of course, uh, today is quite a special day because I believe the Gomorrah elders are getting ready uh, to go on to what is now. Now considered Whitehaven's territory, um, which is, of course, their traditional land. And they're going to do an emu ceremony potentially for the last time ever if Whitehaven has its way and bulldozes that area. And I know that Phil has been working long and hard with the traditional owners up there uh, to try and protect uh, hundreds of sacred sites. And I believe there's already over 30-odd that have been destroyed. They've been destroyed, including yes. Including some burial grounds and sacred yes. men and women's business, um, which really goes to sort of point at um, the, the culture that we live in where economic value and, and profiteering is, is put above one of the oldest cultures on, on the planet, if not the oldest. Uh, I do believe we have Phil on the line all the way up in Malls Creek. I'm just going to pop him on air. Uh, hello, Phil, are you there? Yes, hello, Sam. Hi, Colin. Hello, good to hear that you made it up there safely, my friend. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so we've just been talking about what you guys are doing up there and preparing for today. I've seen some posts around on Facebook, uh, people feeling mixed feelings today about standing with the Gumrai people. Can you tell us what's going to unfold today? Sure. So we're actually just gathering now um, at uh, the gates of uh, um, of the Malls Creek Mine. Um, so uh, there's probably about, I would say, about 80 people down here. There's uh, There must be about, ooh, I'd say, uh, about uh, 40 or 50 of mob, and then there's about another, or probably another 50 of us, so probably about 100 people, um, all just gathering around. And um, we're about to um, 
to uh, observe and be part of ceremony. Uh, it's called the Emu Ceremony. So um, it uh, kind of uh, has to do with the, the night sky and um, the rising of the emu in the in the constellation. So. Wow, that sounds amazing. And Phil, you've you've gone up there particularly uh, for a, um, a, a week of action this week. Can you tell us more broadly about what you guys are hoping to achieve and why it's so important for you to be there? Sure. So um, Whitehaven Coal and Itamitsu Coal, um, who both have uh, mines that are neighbour and are and actually encroaching to the Laird State Forest, both have approval to start clearing. Um, from today uh, through to the end of March. So we're actually running a six-week community um, blockade up here. Um, we hope to uh, protect as much of the irreplaceable forest as we can, up to 396 species, 32 of which are threatened or endangered. A lot of that's already been decimated by the coal mines. But um, most importantly, we're up here to really protect Lawless Well, which is um, one of the, lo- the last most significant sites that is uh, under threat after, as I heard you said in the introduction, so many have already been destroyed and there's already been so much heartache and sorry business for the uh, for the Gomorrah up here. So really, we're up here to show support for them and to stand with them as much as we can um, in this time of great hardship because really um, they're under threat or they're under attack from uh, so much of the mining industry um, over in the Pilliga Forest from Santos and the, um, the Narrabai gas wells mm. over there and then also the Shenhua Watermark Mine which um, is threatening a, uh, a groovestone site which... Uh, is uh, really, really, it's been a very difficult and emotional time. Um, we've been we've been talking with the Gomorrah and the Elders and they're really feeling it at the moment. So, so yeah, we're really here to show support for them. And how are you feeling? Because for those listeners that don't know, I mean, you spent a, a great deal of time, what was it, nearly 12 months living in a, a tent at the base camp and um, some people may have remembered the uh, crazy, remarkable images of you dressed as Batman on a tripod. <laughs> uh, h- how are you feeling being back up there? Uh, what What do you see uh, happening? Well, it's it's actually like personally for me, it, it's a really like mixed emotional thing. Um, I'm being reunited with some of my uh, my good friends who um, I spent so much of that time um, defending the forest with. Um, so it's, it's beautiful to see them. It's beautiful to see the elders again, and it's. But it's it's hard because you see the images of the mine, you see how much destruction has gone on just in the last. You know, you think this mine only became operational in December last year, in December 2014. So, you know, and the amount of destruction they can do in such a small time, and the fact that they uh, they plan so much more destruction, you know, really tears at the heartstrings. You know, I really feel connected to this place, and yeah, it it, it it's hard, but. But we're also, we have such strong resolve and we really believe that um, when we speak with one voice and that's the, the traditional owners, the farmers, the people from around the country who have travelled here, like um, all such varied and different people, you know, we, we really feel like that it's important to continue that voice of resistance against this destructive industry because it's on the decline, it's on the way out. We all know it, they know it. I mean, their share prices, the Whitehaven share price is at 37.5 cents at the moment. The market knows it, <laughs> so... You know, um, we're, we're, we have strong resolve, and we really believe in what we're doing. And it's and it's great to be back and um, and feeling that energy of uh, of being in the space and having that that shared value to move forward together. I feel I was I was wondering about the local community around because uh, I remember that the Laird State Forest is close to Nurbury and. other little towns. How's the the impact of the local population? 
Um, so I think the community is starting to feel it. I um, have heard stories of um, a few businesses in Narrabah who thought that they would get a real cash injection from um, the extra miners coming in, actually like folding and shutting down. Um, you see um, in Canada, uh, which is um, a, he- a very um, pro-mining and um, heavy um, mining area, you know, there's a few businesses down. Um, things don't look, you know, as uh, as people look a little bit down. <laughs> there's not as much spring in their step. There was a bit of optimism around, and I think people are starting to notice now that the promised economic value that the mine uh, said that they would bring to the area is not really coming forth. And and there's still that split in the community, which you know is divided friendships, dividing families, um, dividing the community. You know, it's 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 sad to see you know and it's just it's it's a it's the typical tale of when mining comes to town you know it it doesn't bring the um the community benefits that it promises and are most of the people working on those uh mine constructions and bulldozing are they fly in fly out or are they actually people living in the local community yeah most are still flying fly out um there was mm. the promise that you know they would uh they would make the uh the high quotas uh of uh workers um from the local community but they haven't been able to materialize that and it was never going to happen um the skills aren't here they didn't put the investment in the government didn't put the investment to train people up so it was still always a pipe dream and and we knew it and we called him out on it but <laughs> but obviously you know the the big spin of the um well, these are big mining companies. Uh, tends to win the day. You only have to look up at Adani promising tens of thousands of jobs, and then in reality, you know, it was a few hundred. So, and well, it, if it ever gets up, it would be a few hundred. So, you know, <laughs> even you know, it's the story of coal. You know, it's in decline. So. Phil, talking about like the forest and the animals over there, I saw the video you posted on uh, on Facebook to regarding uh, the bat's return, and I was a little bit uh, shocked to see all these trees down with a big H on the trunk. It's called habitat. So I was wondering, like, why do they mark the trees if they're going to to put them down? So the the mining companies have these uh, the biodiversity management plans that they're required to submit to the New South Wales Planning Department. Um, under those uh, uh, those uh, regulations that they all self regulation basically, they put the plan in and they get the tick. Um, they're required to clear them in different ways. So they do what they're called uh, gentle gentle bulldozing. Gentle murder. It's like gentle murder. Yeah, basically, and so those trees aren't cleared straight away. They're um, they're inspected, knocked on, shaken a bit, and then they wait a little bit, and then they push them over. So there's supposed to be a clearing, a different clearing uh, procedure for those sorts of trees. However, when we conducted um, community um, audits of um, some of the the trees, at great risk to the people who went in there, who um, risked arrest to do so, we found habitat trees in the same piles as the unmarked trees. We found trees with hollows, which should have been deemed and marked as habitat trees in piles unmarked. And we reported and put all that all those all that information into uh, the Department of Planning and got a very little response. And basically there was a uh, uh, pass the buck game between uh, the planning minister and the environment minister on that one and neither refused to take our responsibility or to um, even investigate the matter any further. And so after they've knocked on the trees and shaken them a little bit before they gently kill them, um, what what do the animals the animals are just supposed to run off and find new habitat is that the theory well the theory goes that um you're able to offset the destruction of a forest so buying up properties with a uh, similar or it's supposed to be like for like is the uh the term that they use like for like offset however like um way back i think it was in around 2014 um larissa waters from the uh, federal senator from queensland for the greens um 
uh, actually was able to chair an inquiry into offset procedure, and they found that it was uh, not suitable and, and wasn't working. Um, mm. That was largely sparked by the um, inadequate offsets that Whitehaven had purchased to um, offset the destruction of the Laird State Forest, which was described by the Office of Environment and Heritage as irreplaceable. Yet they thought that they could find it. Um, local ecologists in the area went out, inspected the offsets, and found them grossly inadequate. So um, replacing trees that hollow out, so the white box, um, white box uh, gums that are out here, mm. they um, hollow out um, a lot more easier than the iron bark, which is the other uh, major species of tree that's found in the forest. They just don't hollow. Um, so there is no there is no replacement for the habitat for these animals. So um, where they're supposed to go, we don't know. Um, one of the uh, things that the uh, final expansion between the Malls Creek mine and the Bogabri mine, which are uh, Bogabri ones operated by a Japanese company called Itamitsu, they have a 500-metre corridor planned um, to leave uh, one side of the forest that will be um, left untouched to the other side. So a 500-metre corridor where animals are supposed to uh, use as a kind of a freeway to get from one side to the other. But obviously that's uh, the increase... Um, Increased competition for the habitat mm. is going to lead to, you know, um, definite winners and losers. And it's always those vulnerable species that are first to go. I mean, yeah, yeah. and that's, that's really the problem with this, with this. There's some species that, you know, we potentially will lose um, out of this. Totally. And plus the light. I was so surprised when I was there. Is the older the light at nighttime, you can see like just like bright, clear. It's just incredible. And I can imagine like the impact of all this, uh, all this light onto uh, the wildlife and also the, the forest. Mm. Mm. And, and that has um, wider reaching implications as well, like um, not just um, scaring and um, disrupting the um, patterns, especially like, I mean, the, um, the area is known for um, the 16 species of bats that live in the area. Um, uh, one of my, um, mine and my favourite, I'm actually wearing a bat t-shirt right now. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, like these are nocturnal animals, we all know that. So when you throw light into the mix, it disrupts their, their, their patterns and their behaviour. How are they supposed to understand what's going on? And, and since... Since the, um, the the last convergence that we had up here, the light has gotten more and more and more. It has grown to um, kind of outshine the towns and the population centres. With these six or seven thousand people, these these mines actually emit just as much light as as those population centres. And just down the road is the famous um, Parkes Telescope. And um, we've heard from um, some of the um, uh, astronomers there that, like you know, these sorts of light are actually affecting their um, behaviour as well. So it's having impact beyond. Even just the, uh, the you know the, the the habitat, but like right into like you know some of the key industries that have been established in the area as well. So there's human cost, economic cost, um, and of course you know like the biodiversity cost is the is the main motivator here, and the, and of course the heritage loss of the Gomorrah people. But you know it really comes a story of um, mining wins and everybody else loses. So based on that, I, I guess. Th- what what do you think are the potential outcomes, Phil, moving forward? You know, is it possible to save what's left? Uh, is is there any hope on the horizon of uh, actually winning against these big mining corps? Sure. So, I mean, really, um, at the moment, uh, we're, we're really focused on making sure we protect Lawler's well from the bulldozers. And... Uh, Two years ago, the Gomorrah Traditional Custodians put in uh, Section 9, Section 10 under the Aboriginal Heritage and Protection Act to um, stop the work and protect the area. That's been sitting on Greg Hunt's desk now for over two years, and he's not made a decision on that. So we're really going on him to go, come on, mate, you've had two years to do this. How about you tell them yes or no? The, the Gomorrah deserve an answer. Yes or no. You can't just sit on your hands the entire time. So we're really calling on him to like make a decision and give us some clarity. Mm. Uh, you know, this 
you know, we just deserve an answer from the supposed best minister in the world. And after the <laughs> litany of uh, embarrassing failures that he's had, most notably with um, his uh, mishandling of the uh, approval process for the Carmichael mine, which saw um, that approval actually overturned in court, you know, it, it's time to step up and live up to that uh, that grand title that you were um, bestowed upon you. Like, if you want to be the best minister on the world, how about you do your job, mate? If I was two years late on my deadlines, I know I'd probably lose my job. Yeah, very good point and uh, very mm. disappointing to uh, see that it's taken so long to get a simple response uh, to a, a very clear issue. Phil, we want to wish you luck while you're up there and to all the people up there that are standing with the Goomeray people today and throughout the six-week um, camp that you have going on up there. And uh, stay safe, my friend. Sure. Thank you very much, guys. And um, if people are interested in following the ceremony and what happens today, then um, jump on the Twitter and check out hashtag Gomeroi, G-O-M-E-R-O-I. We've got a couple of people live tweeting from down here, so you can um, you can uh, be part of it as well uh, via the interwebs. Brilliant. Uh, have a great day, and we're with you in spirit, mate. Solidarity. Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you. Bye. And that was Phil Evans live on site at Malls Creek where the local traditional owners, the Goomeray people, are preparing for what may be potentially the last EMU ceremony to take place in that area uh, due to the approval of Whitehaven to continue bulldozing a unique biodiverse region. You're on Dirt Radio with Sam and Colin. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about let them stay and the, and the growing movement. Campaign, yes. Yeah. Stay tuned. One, two, three, four, five. Breakdown, baby. Subscribe to your award-winning independent community radio, bringing you coverage of community issues and events. This is Beard of Base Camp. Welcome to the Little Red Tulangi Treehouse. As you said, I'm going to the East West Tunnel ticket, as it usually does, starts at 5.30am. Uh, the Lincoln Melbourne Authority have come here in the middle of the night and set up another drill rig here on Gold Street. Police were pretty keen to defend that with all their resources this morning. And I think for Australians, in order to know ourselves, really fully know ourselves, in order to mature, we need to understand Aboriginal culture. We need to embrace it and realise that in coming here, you're now part of the longest continuing culture in the world. We need your support. Subscribe today. Call 9419 8377 now. Culture gives our life meaning. Without it, we suffer. This is evident amongst displaced Indigenous communities all around the world. For the past seven years, we've been working with Indigenous people to develop a program that enables communities to utilise their culture as a means to reduce long-term poverty. Right now, we need your help to raise much-needed funding to get this program off the ground. Make a tax-deductible donation of $50 and receive an entry ticket to a family-friendly day of live music, food, festivities and a chance to win $2,000 cash. The event will take place on the 5th of March at the foothills of the Mount Macedon Ranges. You have an incredible opportunity to help us achieve our goals and impact the future for Indigenous peoples. For more information about this project and to purchase tickets, go to www.asworldsdivide.com. Friends of the Earth is a 3CR supporter. It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. That's right, you're on Dirt Radio with Sam and Colin today. 
Uh, we were talking earlier to Phil Evans from Frontline Action on Coal and, of course, with Friends of the Earth here in Melbourne. He's travelled back up to the Laird blockade where he spent over 12 months living at the base camp and working with the traditional owners and we wish them luck today. And don't forget, you can follow them online, uh, hashtag Gumarai. Gumarai. You can even go up there if you want to. They got like a six-week campaign to mm-hmm. try to stop the clearing of like these two giant corporations. So don't hesitate. There is often a bus or cars or going from Melbourne to the Laird State. So get in touch. Go on the Facebook and yeah. uh, ask the question. That's yeah. the best. Way. So, something is building in Australia. Something is getting big. It's yeah. getting very big. It began with the High Court handing down a decision that it is not illegal or unconstitutional for the Australian government to um, basically keep people in a third country using private corporations uh, to indefinitely detain them. Although it is, of course, against international norms and conventions, but they were not allowed to be used in the case. Uh, the government, just before the High Court uh, case uh, went into to, uh, full court, uh, changed retrospective, the Migration Act, uh, and the Nauru government, of course, um, assisted with that by making the entire island basically a prison camp for refugees, which they say is they're free to move around and live. Um, I wonder how you would feel if someone said you're free to move around your entire property but never leave it. So, uh, after, and to have repression, yeah, instead. and and to be at risk of rape and sexual abuse and all the things that have been going on in a tiny country that is really uh, not showing many signs of good governance. Uh, so, after that court decision came down, something began to happen in the Australian community, uh, which I see as incredibly hopeful, and that was the realization that we have perhaps completely lost our way in our humanity, and just because something is legal, it doesn't make it mor- morally or ethically uh, right. So, what what's happened now is. Uh, a movement began. It started with some direct actions um, and some churches have now come out. In fact, all the churches have come out. The teachers have come out. Everyone is calling on the Turnbull government to let these 267 people, which includes 37 children, uh, sorry, 37 babies and 54 children, uh, and the babies were born uh, in Australia, uh, from going back to Nauru. The Let Them Stay hashtag and movement Uh, has grown exponentially in two weeks. Uh, And we now have entire institutions within our society on board saying publicly they are prepared to get in the way, they are prepared to commit civil disobedience, they are prepared to break the law, they are prepared to offer sanctuary from their own government. Uh, Of course, then the state premiers came out uh, saying that they were prepared for these refugees to be resettled in their states to stop the Turnbull government. Uh, the Turnbull government, as in Malcolm Turnbull and Peter Dutton, have been completely silent, have refused to do interviews. Uh, Bill Shorten was no opposition to this cruelty. Uh, in fact, as we were talking about earlier, um, Colin, it was mm. in fact the Labor government that reinstituted offshore processing and reopened these camps, yeah. uh, which is a long way from 2007 where they were talking about onshore community processing. So here we find ourselves with the uh, mainstream population and institutional foundations around education, health, uh, all starting to oppose. Walking the street, it's beautiful (coughs) to see like as many, like thousands of people just like standing up, trying Mm -hmm. to protect the asylum seekers. 
Yeah, and then uh, two friends of ours, along with support of uh, my activist group, uh, WACA, um, staged a direct action out on the M3 on the Eastern Freeway. Uh, We saw these beautiful (laughs) pictures and mostly all the media around Australia and some around the world also. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, two wonderfully brave and experienced climbers abseiled off um, the Yarra Bend Bridge uh, with a sign that just simply said, hashtag, let them stay. And and that's how much it's entered the psyche of the population. There was nothing else that needed to be put on that banner. Everybody knew what that meant. Uh, and then, of course, the extraordinary situation that happened on Friday up in Brisbane, uh, where doctors who are caring for a baby who was born in Australia, baby Asha, mm-hmm. uh, was sent back to Nauru, uh, was scalded with some hot water and had to be brought back for treatment here in Australia. And the doctors are refusing to discharge her to the immigration department and border fast because, sorry, border force. So <laughs> border fast. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip, sorry. Yeah. Um, I only say that in private, but now I've said it over the radio. Uh, take it with you, do what you want with it. <laughs> uh, and so what, what they have said is that they cannot in uh, good conscience and also from their position as clinicians release a child, a baby, into harm's way and as suitable environment needs to be found. Uh, So they're refusing to hand this baby over who is on a list to be deported with her parents back to Nauru. Uh, And then something magical and remarkable happened. People started to show up at the hospital to support the doctors and the nurses. And before we knew it, we had a 24-7 vigil going up there. And the people of Brisbane have come out extraordinarily well. uh, And the unions have jumped right behind it. They've got rosters going for people to come and, you know, do a shift to keep vigil. One, to protect the mother and baby uh, from the black shirts. But secondly, uh, to make sure that the doctors, are supported because obviously the doctors are taking an enormous risk here. You you study a very long time to become a doctor. Uh, The last thing you want to do is get arrested and potentially stripped of your registration uh, for failing failing to obey all these new Border Force and Immigration Protection Acts. Uh, So big kudos and love and shout out to all the people in Brisbane and to the doctors and nurses and the union movement uh, that have come out in massive support. And it seems this is just going to continue to escalate from what I can see uh, because genuinely Australians are ashamed and appalled at the fact that we have human rights wash and watch and the UN telling us that we are violating human rights. I think they said we were violating something like a ridiculous amount of conventions like the Convention on Children, the UN Charter of Human Rights, the UN Charter on Torture and Indefinite Detention. Um, you know, the list goes on. Yeah, and Australia's government have been violating all this law for years. Exactly. It's not like just one go or something and I have no. to say sorry, but for years and it keeps going. What's the aim of this campaign? So the aim of the campaign, you know, which this is an organic thing that has spread beyond, I think, any original conception, which was to raise awareness around the High Court challenge and that these people were in Australia and potentially about to be deported back. It seems to be that, you know, the clear aim is to let these people stay, the 267 that are on these lists to be sent back to Nauru and Manus. But more broadly, you you know, I mean, the ALP at their conference um, 
passed a unanimous motion yesterday or the day before uh, stating they support the hashtag let them stay. I'm assuming that Whoa. means they support the movement. Yeah. <laughs> but they actually wrote in their motion hashtag let them hashtag. stay, uh, which was a bit hilarious. Uh, but the logical next step is if you agree it's torturous and inhumane to send people back to these conditions, then surely you must support the closure of these camps and this detention industry, which is making a small handful of multinational corporations very rich. Um, Cost a lot of money out of permit. Loads of money coming out of our pockets and Um, they get to torture people and the government has no accountability or responsibility. No moral. I was so surprised because I had this discussion about, I was, you know, like how many people are in this refugee camp? I was thinking something like over, around like 100,000 people or like a yeah, big number. Yeah, like that it must we be could a not, huge It must be number. massive. Yeah. I checked out on Wikipedia and I found thousands and five hundred people yeah. are in camp yeah. on this island. Only thousand and five hundred people. Yep. Yeah. 900, I think, in Nauru and 600-odd in Manus Island. Island. What a shame that Australia, a big country like Australia, who's like 14 times the size of France, Mm -hmm. we got like only 25 million people. We cannot welcome 1,500 people. Well, this points to the very deep question about what is this refugee policy about? What is the kind of institutional racism and xenophobia that this country, as we all know, has been built on? And you only need to speak to Robbie Thorpe or Viv Marlowe, who will probably be on next.